Uh, I asked Sarah, who uh, claims to be Ukrainian, but she knows very little about how to speak Ukrainian. She argues with what I say. It's a really hard language. (laughs) There's like extra letters in that alphabet and everything. Yeah, it's not even the same letters as we use. I'm I'm with you. So you don't know how to say the name of this city? I've heard it said. It sounds different than what you're saying, but I I wouldn't attempt to try it. Sevye Rodonetsk. That's what I'm saying. That sounded better. Sevye Rodonetsk. That sounded better. Uh, It's in eastern Ukraine, a key city in eastern Ukraine, and apparently it is the scene of some very, very fierce fighting that's taking place right now between Russian troops and Ukrainian troops, uh, block by block, street by street. Um, Sounds just awful. Uh, Russian artillery barrages have destroyed critical infrastructure there and damaged 90% of the buildings in this city and cut most of the power and communications. Um, So why is it focused? We know the East is uh, the primary focus when it comes to Russia, but at the same time, we're also hearing that, you know, the Ukrainian resistance continues to stand up in many, many areas. So it's tough to get a read on exactly where this conflict stands. So let's get an update from Andrew Rasoulis, who's a defense expert with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Andrew, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. You're, you're welcome, Shay. Good to be back on. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. Uh, great insight, as always. Um, so let's talk about what's happening in the East. And I, again, I don't know how to say the name of this city. Sevier Rodonetsk is what I've been told. But... Um, why is that one uh, such a primary focus, and uh, why is the fighting so intense there, do you think? Well, this has been going on now. Uh, like, there's another important city yesterday or Saturday fell called Lyman. Um, this is all part of the battle for, in writ large, the battle for the Donbass, and specifically broken down into the battle for Luhansk and Donetsk. So uh, these are the two subcomponents of the Donbass area. The Russians have now been, for weeks, have been slowly grinding away uh, at securing most of this area. In Luhansk, so you have to go back to 2014, this was the, the rebel area that revolted. Right. And then, so when the, when the war ended, or the conflict ended uh, in terms of the ceasefire line, it was drawn about middle away through through the Donbass and through Luhansk and Donetsk. Since the 24th of February, and in particular in the last few weeks, the Russians have really focused their offensive on taking what they call the self-declared republics of Donetsk and Luhansk. So they have, in big picture terms, they have pushed further west of the line of contact. Line of contact was that ceasefire line of 2015. So they are now about, they've got most of Luhansk under control they they are struggling more in the southern part of Donetsk. But in Donetsk, what the key thing from a Russian point of view is they have that land bridge, uh, including Mariupol, which is part of the, uh, of the Donbass and Donetsk. So the Russian objective in all this is to secure the full Donbass region okay. and, and then declare victory. That's That's their objective. Okay, so it's strategically vitally important. And I mean, that's where it started, and then it seemed to spread. But now, would it be fair to say it started with the focus on the east, spread a little bit farther afield in Ukraine, and now they've pulled back and again are focusing on what we were told was the initial focus anyway? Exactly. So because they got they got carried away right. uh, uh, with the initial one, you know, mis- misunder- misinformed, blah, 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 big mistake. Ukrainians fought off, then the Russians went back to square one. Gotcha. Okay, now, in the meantime, uh, we keep hearing about uh, Ukrainian resistance and the wonderful job that it's doing with the backing of Western support and uh, surprising everybody. So where does that stand? It sounds like they're really uh, taking it on the chin in this eastern part of the country, but uh, elsewhere they seem to have done a, a job that I think surprised everybody, right? 
Yeah, oh yeah, I mean the the, the defense of Kiev and, and and all that other part that that went uh, that went uh, right for Ukraine and bad for Russia in the early part of the war is definitely uh, a kudos for the Ukrainian military. But now the battle is is very much uh, and and it really is in in the Donbass. And in that, you can call it a war of attrition. Um, uh, both sides, uh, including Ukrainians, are taking very heavy casualties now. Ukrainian casualties have not been announced publicly other than what Zelensky announced uh, a week ago uh, at Davos, where he said they were in the in the Donbass battle. They were Ukrainians were sustaining up to 100 dead per day, uh, which is a very substantial casualty rate. So and the other thing you have to keep in mind in all this is the Ukrainian economy. Uh, so while the Russian economy is suffering with sanctions, the Ukrainian economy is suffering from the, the, the war. Uh, and so, you know, you've got all this Western support, military, economic, but at the same time, Ukraine is suffering. It's, 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 there's no way around that one. The question then becomes, how long can the Ukrainians sustain the war of attrition? Right. Now, Zelensky is saying, uh, you know, they're going for victory. So uh, negotiations, you and I have talked about that in the past. That's all way back in the back burner somewhere. Um, Zelensky has been saying Ukraine's uh, objective in the war is victory. Now, the question is defined victory. Yeah. Uh, up until about two, three days ago, it was actually the expulsion of all Ukraine, of Russian forces from all Ukraine, including Crimea. Now, he backtracked from that yesterday, and he acknowledged that to take Crimea by military force would cost substantial casualties, like huge casualties. Uh, that not, would not be a walkover. Um, and so, so, they're, so the definition of victory is being redefined. I think right now it's over the Donbass very much because uh, Lavrov has himself has said on the flip side, he said yesterday to a French uh, TV outlet that basically the Russians consider victory the, the, the taking uh, or the, what they call the liberation of, of the two republics in Eskimo-Hans. So we're really talking about Donbass for both Ukraine and Russia. That's the object here. I mean, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that we're talking about victory in any way, shape or form for for Ukraine. I mean, obviously they're not going to win the war outright, but it looks like um you know, they ultimately do you think they do have to cede some territory? I know I think it was Kissinger was talking about that yeah. over the weekend that they will have to cede some territory to make this end. Is that how you see this ending sort of ultimately? Yes, I mean I I I I know Kissinger took a lot of flack from that. Yeah. So I'll take a lot of flack for for agreeing with him. But Kissinger and I are we're part of what's called the Realpolitik school. Uh, and we know that some people put this as a war of, you know, good versus evil and so on. I got all that. But the thing is, the reality on the ground is that it's all up to power and military effectiveness and political will to sustain and economic uh, ability to sustain. That's that's an equation. And uh, if you look at that equation in any kind of objective way, uh, I believe that you have so there, there has to be a compromise here. I just because you I mean, Zelensky now has admitted he can't take the Crimea. Uh, and and that was the, that's their definition of victory is liberate Crimea, but right. he can't do it militarily. So there's going to have to be political compromise of some sort. And yes, I mean uh, some parts of Ukraine are not going to be liberated at the end of the war, and the war will end at some point uh, because both sides are going to be exhausted. I hear what you're saying. You know, it, it's the reality of the situation, but I think, you know, sort of saying, hey, you can end this and uh, avoid a lot of death and suffering by ceding the territory, but it's counterintuitive to what we've been told from the beginning. I mean, how long is the time frame, do you think? 
Um, okay, so we're talking possibly, and this is hard to predict because we've been so wrong in the past, uh, several months is, is kind of a notional thing. Now, the other thing that's out there, the, the Ukrainians have said, it's a kind of an open secret, that uh, in late uh, the summer, they plan to launch a major counteroffensive, presumably in the Donbass. Yeah? Okay. So the question is, will we get there? Uh, will they, will this war of attrition, which is which is huge for both sides, will they both sides sustain it, and will the Ukrainians be able to mount a large scale counteroffensive? While the Russians know this is happening, and they're going to be bombarding uh, the Ukrainian concentrations of force, which they have to do in order to launch an offensive, and which ways are going to go? So, best guess these days, we're talking a war of months. We're probably talking a war into the fall. So most people saying by the time winter comes, perhaps uh, both sides will be too exhausted to fight through a winter. Okay. All right. Wow. Uh, So still some time yet. Um, Andrew, thanks so much for your time. Always appreciate you joining us.